0: Will the clerk call the roll?
1: Trustee Thompson? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Charland? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum.
0: Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This is my inaugural meeting as a chair of the finance committee, and thank you for the faith that you've instilled in me. I have a good and hard act to follow in Trustee Luganari. Um, and I want to thank him for doing such a great job um, as the finance committee chair and also remind uh, people in the audience that you get what you pay for. So I hope uh, that I'll earn my keep tonight. Um, the CFO and I are gonna work through this meeting together and uh, we hope to get out of here in reasonable fashion after discussing some things. Um, so we'll move to tab one, the consent agenda, which is uh, moving up the, the minutes for January 11th. Do I, can I take a motion? Uh, we,
2: we have to make an adjustment to the agenda. We discussed taking off. We're going to take off the
0: uh, statement of works for Freed. Oh, I was going to do that when we got to tap too. But if you want to. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so. See, we're we're just like. No, idiots, right? that's okay. Anyway, uh, the, okay. the, the agenda is on the screen, and uh, Mr. Cox and I will work through this together. Okay. Um, but at the minute, why don't we move the minutes? If I hear a motion for the January 11th meeting.
3: So move.
4: Second.
0: Any discussion? Any objections? Carrie? I'll
1: Steen, I wasn't. Okay. Vanessa, Vanessa, if you'll make sure
0: that you know that, that she was not at the meeting, so could not vote on <clears throat> So we have contracts for approval, and we're going to withdraw four of the contracts. All of the freed associate <coughs> contracts uh, are going to be removed. That's tab 2F. To I. Um, but other than that, we're seeking approval of them. Uh, any objections for um, moving them? And Matt's? The, uh, the four uh, free ones are going to be
4: What are the letters to approval F uh, G H G- 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 I. Yeah.
0: F G H I. Thank you. I thought if it was okay, we would uh, move them in mass. If that's okay, um, I'll take a motion, and then we can discuss them and then approve them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, motion to approve the mass.
1: I move that we approve. I'll
0: second. Thank you. Any discussion on the uh, contracts? I, I would. Uh,
4: I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to compliment Ira and to say just how easy this is to understand and read. And so, David, thank you for the work that's really is
2: just so much easier than it's been. Thank you. Um, I'll pass that along. Unfortunately, I couldn't be here. He's actually home with acute uh, bronchitis. Oh, he my. picked up on a visit to his uh, mother's house up in Oregon, but
0: hasn't, hasn't, hasn't shaken it yet, so OBE comes back, soon. pass that along. Thank you, please. <clears throat> okay. I only had one quick question, which is on tab 2E when we're upgrading the K3 pharmacy. Was that part of the new um, acute tower? Or was that somewhere else that we're upgrading at $29,000? Um, can I ask um, Luis to respond to
5: that? I'm sorry? Oh,
0: there was a question. That's on Just the, an uh, easy question on tab 2E, the JTEC HMC, $29,000. It's an upgrade to a pharmacy. I wondered where in the hospital it was.
5: This is for our pharmacy here on the K building, okay. in our K building here on uh, the second floor. K is it K2? K three, K two, or K three. K three. It's our pharmacy here in K three. So this is essentially some work that we have to do to upgrade our our uh, compounding room hoods. So these are the ventilation hoods that are used for compounding medications and chemotherapy drugs. And so there are new regulations that, that uh, well, there's regulations that have been in place for some time that we have not uh, completed this project to help us meet those regulations. They're called USP seven nine seven, USP eight hundred. So we're working through those, and this project here is really to help us uh, make those adjustments, make those changes, and bring us up to compliance. With that, great. Thank you. One
0: question I have. Any other questions on the contract?
6: No, it's,
4: <coughs> it's good to see that the kitchen in Alameda is getting done. That's been such a so.
7: That's good. Thank you. So, which part my that this uh, contract is
5: not to actually do the work yet. None of these are actually to uh, well. So if I can, so thank you for mentioning that to clarify. So JTEC is a project management company that's helping us support and lead these projects. So the scope of work specifically for the, for the Alameda Kitchen is for the duration of the project for them to help facilitate and manage the construction. We will be coming back here at some point in the near future with a, uh, you know, a uh, contract approval for a general contractor to perform the work. So this is just for project management.
4: What's the anticipation of it to begin?
5: Well, we're still working on finalizing uh, some of the design and permitting for that. (coughs) Uh, So we're we're probably, I mean, we're hoping to get that all across the finish line here.
4: Six months?
5: uh, Within, hopefully, before. uh, My goal is to have it all uh, completed and hopefully bring something back before the end of the fiscal year. Uh, But we're planning, we're not planning to start the work certainly until next fiscal year.
3: So we haven't done construction documents yet. We're still in design development phase.
5: We're still in design development and uh, and uh, really getting a permit approval and all positive view. Mm.
4: Sounds
0: like a while. Any other questions? <coughs> okay. All so in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? So moved. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the meeting we're doing something different tonight besides. CFO and I working together. Um, our technical support manager is uh, using the House speakers tonight just to do something a little different and see how it works. So, um, if people can hear us, great. If not, you know who to talk to. <clears throat>
2: and, and he mentioned the mics yeah. might be more sensitive, so just said to start a little further away and then work it in. So, if you hear funny buzzes and noises.
0: <laughs> Okay. and make sure for the people who are sick at the meeting that you don't uh, mix them around for the next meeting okay. All right. um, so tab 3 uh, retrospective review of prior contract approvals so
2: uh, Dave you'll need to switch the presentation over and I'm very pleased to introduce um, uh, Satira Dalton-Giminetti Director of Medical Staff, who's going to review this contract.
0: May I ask a question? What's the East Bay Foundation? I've never heard of it. Is it the East Bay Community
8: Foundation? No, it's actually a foundation that's put together to provide um, surgical services in the East Bay. So the foundation actually provides surgical services to four hospitals in the East Bay. Um, Alameda Health System is actually one of the four hospitals that that foundation supports through the Surgical Resident Program, and the residents actually come out of UCSF.
0: So its official name is East Bay Foundation. Correct. Where is it headquartered?
8: That I don't. They have a board.
0: Or is it? Anyway, I just was. Uh, I, I would need to get back to you on East that. But I'm happy to do years. so. so I, I
7: don't... It's 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 not a foundation like that. It's like a medical foundation.
0: Something put it's, together just to deliver this specific. Okay. It's essentially so an, it really doesn't do. An with arm of UCSF percent.
7: that's really used to, uh, uh, as Satira said, to uh, to. Um, coordinate the delivery of um, graduate medical education and then medical care delivery as an extension of that for UCSF and four facilities in the East Bank. Okay, So it's not a foundation 501c3.
8: <coughs> so this evening um, we're giving an update as far as the retrospective review as outlined in the contract. The term of this contract that we're reviewing was July 1st, 2015 to June 30th of 2016. The contract was actually approved May 26th of 2015 by the Board of Trustees via memorandum. Like I said, it's for the UCSF School of Surgical Residents and their program. It does encompass four hospitals of which 50%, 51% of the residents that are um, coming to Alameda Health System come to our facility here on the Highland Campus. The other hospitals in the area include the Veterans Hospital, Children's Hospital and Kaiser Permanente. The cost of the contract is an annual fee of $2.4 million, of which there are both labor expenses and non-labor expenses. The labor approximately is $2.2 million, and the non-labor administrative expenses are in the ballpark of about $200,000. The total number of residents that come to us through this contract are 22 surgical residents. When we look at the administrative expenses for this contract, we actually share that cost with the other facilities. So the cost to AHS is approximately 201,000 or that 51% that I mentioned. As far as payroll, we have PGY one through five, which are the surgical residents that rotate through for a total of 22 surgical residents during any rotation. The total monthly payroll is approximately $168,000. If we don't have 22 surgical residents that are able to rotate through during a residency, we actually have a reconciliation process and we will get a credit for that difference. When we look at the contract for the 2015-2016 coverage and the salaries, we were able to recoup $47,919 in that reconciliation cost as outlined in the contract because there were some blocks that didn't have the total of 22 surgical residents. Benefits to the contract include the Medicare funding reimbursement based on the resident work hours here at Alameda Health System. We recoup approximately $135,000 per surgical resident. There are also some other benefits to us with this program. We do have two of our own accredited American College of Graduate Medical Education programs, one in emergency medicine and one in internal medicine. For us to have a surgical program, the only way that we're able to do that is via a contract. And so it's to benefit to our organization to have that contract through UCSF. The cap that we've reached is through Medicare. And so we're not able to expand additional programs at this time. We're also able to really look at our recruitment. A lot of our surgical residents want to stay in, they've trained here at AHS. And so for example, Dr. Greg Victorino is our trauma program director. He trained here and he stayed here. So it helps us cut some of our recruitment costs through this affiliation. The payroll savings as well, when you pay a salary of an attending physician versus a, a actual resident, you actually have a bit of a cost saving. So there are a lot of wins and benefits to this contract for both our patients and AHS as an organization. When we look at next steps around this contract, we do have some opportunities to really look at the evaluation of our trauma fellowship program and whether or not we could expand and have an in-house trauma fellowship program. We have some work that we've already started in the current fiscal year to really engage with that the UCSF East Bay program around quality and patient safety. We also want to have further engagement with our department of surgery chair and look at how our current process for the reconciliation and validation of the salaries and that credit back we get to really involve the program director a little bit further and make sure we have a tighter process around that.
1: So um, these next steps would be in place. We just... um agreed to that the extension of that uh, 2016 through uh, July of 2017. So does do some of these changes happen with the fiscal year change or it, it can happen in the middle of a contract like in the middle of a period of of the time that you have residents in the sense that some of these next steps of evaluating having mm-hmm. them be part of patient safety mm-hmm. and other uh, um, initiatives. Will that happen when the next fiscal year... No, we've
8: actually already started the process and started that engagement with the participation in the quality and patient safety. We're not going to wait until the contract is rewritten, revised, and reviewed. We've already started that engagement.
4: Okay. Well, you, you talked about the, the benefits for our organization. I'd be interested in what are the incentives for the residents? And do the <coughs> residents who choose us get the same um, benefits monetarily or, or um, soft, soft dollars, soft advantages things, um, free meals in the cafeteria, as the other hospitals? I mean, why, what are the benefits for choosing us over the others?
8: Uh, many of the residents choose our facility as far as our patient population, our mission and our vision, as well as the fact that we're currently a level two trauma center and moving to be a level one trauma center. It makes us—we're the only level two trauma center in the East Bay for adults, and that makes us lucrative. The closest one, otherwise, would be John Muir, and they don't affiliate with UCSF. So, wait, wait. so just
7: one correction—we're one of two. Eden. 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 Eden's level.
4: And um, so the the salary, the remuneration for the residents is the same at every hospital.
7: So the way that uh, this generally works is. Um, the residents, so these, unlike there's two types of residents that we have, we have the ones that Sateri mentioned that are our own ACGM <coughs> accredited residency, and so those those residencies in medicine and emergency medicines are our residents of sorts, and uh, they are represented by uh, a union called CIR, the Council for Intern and Residents. Uh, the ones that come from the UCSF program are matched, uh, which is a uh, terminology used with UCSF. So. Their salary and all their benefits are actually dictated by uh, their arrangement. They also are represented by CAR with UCSF, and then um, that that is how they are paid. It actually um, the 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 work that we do to to compensate them for the time that they spend here is actually funneled through back to UCSF to to be the entity that pays their salaries. So so they they are probably uh, remunerated differently in some ways. Uh, probably similarly in other ways as the residents that we have here. This is about specifically those residents who are not matched here but are contracted with have to come here for us.
4: So is it a competitive process to go into one versus the other? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. yes. So what is, what is the...
7: So for, for for any residency program, let me know more about this tonight, but let me say this. And, uh, and
4: I'm really happy you compared this, this residency program with our own residency program. So I can understand.
7: Well, they're in, they're in different areas. So this is a residency program for surgery. So these are all surge, are, are physicians training to be surge, surgeons. We don't have a residency program for I see. Uh, surgeons. I see. Uh, we have this <clears throat> program where we partner with others to procure those uh, um, uh, opportunities, and we participate in it through UCSF, whereas well, our programs that we do have are in uh, internal medicine and emergency medicine. And so.
8: OMFS, and, and, and our dental program, program, which has yes. 12 uh, dental residents. Yes. The internal medicine and um, emergency medicine residency programs that we have that's accredited by the American College, uh, or the ACGME. Um, those two programs, those are our employed residents. We actually provide their salaries, wages, and benefits based, as Delvicio said, on our CIR, the union agreement. So those are our residents. These residents, via contract, come to us from UCSF, so UCSF handles their employment. I see. As far as how competitive are our programs that we manage and facilitate, the current match day is uh, March 17, 2017. For the emergency medicine, there are 10 vacancies or 10 slots open, and we have over 900 residents that are interested in doing their training here at Alameda Health System. Wow. It's, very, it's one of the most competitive in, out there as far as our emergency medicine. Wow.
3: And, and do you attribute that to the fact that the trauma center is here and so many people want to have that exposure? Yes. And the surgeons who are, who are coming to do their residency here, are they mostly going on to their trauma fellowship or they just want that full kind of spectrum of exposure.
8: They want the full spectrum of exposure. Um, If they end up in a chief role, many of them then look to either go to a trauma center and do a further fellowship in either neurosurgery and Mm -hmm. another specialty. So there is some variation. Um, I think the breadth of the continuum of care that they have exposure to within AHS is one thing that attracts them to us. And that's why of the four participating facilities, we have 51% of the residents. (laughs)
3: <laughs> in terms of the, the benefit structure, and you probably don't know the full benefit structure coming out of the foundation, but would you say their benefit structure is pretty competitive to, to what we're offering here to the other residents? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have, have those to details. Ask, uh, yeah,
7: it's uh, Someone I'm in sorry. HR? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have knowledge of that, although I
6: suspect they probably know a little bit about it. Okay.
1: This refining is really good to be able to like coordinate with the in-house trauma fellowship and also have them... Again that's going to be even more of a draw to be able to have access to this kind of quality and safety
7: through their program here as well. Really good. And just uh, to take this opportunity, I believe we shared with the board that um, the organization is in a process of uh, seeking level one trauma status. Mm -hmm. Uh, We expect that review actually to happen in in April. May. May.
8: By the American College of Surgeons.
7: Right. So the American College of Surgeons are the ones that, that... uh, Deem that status and, and, and we're, we're looking forward to that happening uh, one of the things that we're on the next step in, in terms of increased engagement with the Department of Surgery chair is is really about um, uh, strengthening our relationship with our surgical leadership here with uh, surgical leadership there uh, uh, but as I think Dr. Jamal Adina shared in, in other context uh, our current uh, chair of surgery here at Highland uh, uh, has announced his um, retirement and that he's intended to retire at the end of June. So uh, there is work happening right now. There's a, a, uh, a search committee of our, uh, uh, of our faculty here who are, uh, or our medical staff here, who are um, uh, leading in the process or working with UCSF on the process of identifying the next chair of surgery for, for Hybrid. Mm-hmm. Any other
2: questions?
0: Thanks, Great Steve. presentation. Thank you very much. Chief Information Officer. Okay. Dave, switched the
6: presentation. So, so you have uh, in your packet my report on, on what's going on with the Orange Plan. From uh, the education session last time, we were discussing the next. Piece of the process which is the, Rf- the rfp and the HR selection process. so we have <laughs> a fully merged to lead our process uh, on the rfp selection primarily because this is the way we generate the contract uh, and so we both fully in as our legal representatives to help us really create a good contract uh, and that's the focus of them leading the RFP to make sure we have all components in the contract that we need uh, to ensure successful outcome on the back it's mm-hmm. not about buying the system as much as uh, getting the right system and implementing it well doing it up well and foli and Lightos so will be working together on that Lightos from there. digits with and Epic and single digits with any other vendor in the market in terms of integrated delivery network. So that's why we felt it was the best use of our time to look at only Cerner and Epic as a few choices we would be are going to do the market. So March 8th to set up the RFP, April 3rd get to get those back, begin that evaluation process, do the on-site demos. And so what Lighthouse is working through with all of our areas is the, the very scripted demo process. Exactly what type of data to enter, what type of thing you want to accomplish, not how to accomplish this, but what type of things to accomplish. So you see what the workflow looks like within each individual system. So mm-hmm. don't tell them how to do it. If you do that, we'll miss the nuances of the benefits of the system. Mm-hmm. All, the, all of that bells and whistles that it does, to the, the providers through, through the process of what they uh, So those demos will happen in April-May time frame. Targeted and set a June 15th decision date, that has vendor That doesn't mean we'll be bringing a contract for your approval in, in July, uh, but Folia said they'll probably need another two months or so to get that contract completed. Uh, they'll be working on what they call many terms and conditions for the RFP uh, process. Almost everything that predicted would be done after you select a vendor, has pushed up into the RFP. And so it's a massive document that the vendors can respond to, uh, but something they're used to. Work with uh, And so Foley put a lot of that up front which to minimize that negotiation process. which sometimes can okay, take six months or more uh, for, for a big EHR charge. They really hope to get them done in two months because of the work that we need And that's been there with three people. So they've done this before and you know, that kind of So I would expect they will be coming back to the finance committee uh, probably in the uh, September or October meeting uh, with, with the
4: Um, I wasn't clear, David. Uh, We we had talked earlier about. um, uh, Let me see if I can rephrase this. Um, What is the criteria in in comparing, in comparing the two, uh, vendors? What what is the drive? Is there two or three drivers that will make this decision? And what are those goods? Sure.
6: So, so what the EHR uh, selection team is working on, the HR selection committee is that than 500 people. Uh, there uh, 30 state. Dr. David Ingers here is chairing this. I'm uh, coming back here. He's uh, a guy that's meeting, uh, co-chairing the selection process with other positions and
4: clinical staff. Sorry, Didn't know I was on. Well, I just wanted to introduce <laughs> you as here. As, uh, nice our, to
6: meet you. Well, no. Uh, Hi. Uh, so there's been, that group has gone through a both those criteria that Lidos has, has presented to say, look at all of these and say, which of these are critical must-haves, which ones are nice to have, and which ones are key, key whiz bang type of idea. To say, we'll be able to rank the vendors as we go through using the reviews and our RFPs and the demonstration processes that if we say this is a must-have type of item and the vendor doesn't provide it, that's obviously a bad, that's a bad. If they meet that and exceed that, those are high marks. So all that's tabulated through all this process. There's also the total cost of ownership review we'll do to see what does it cost. Uh, so there's the key criteria, I guess, if I would bucket them, would be the feature functionality, meaning the requirements that we have, and the total cost of ownership that I'm uh, not, not saying that cost is the only criteria, or right? it's cost and feature functionality.
3: So when you come back, you'll be coming back, or thereafter shortly thereafter the total cost of ownership as well right, as part of the end of the RFP process. Yes, as part of the, as uh, part of the, the, yeah. Yeah,
6: so so we have some preliminary numbers we've run through uh, as proposals, very early proposals, we receive received both concern and Epic to see what kind of rough order of magnitude is what we're calling at this point, because until we get through the exact specifications of the RFP and getting the details of exactly which modules we're talking about, uh, that we'll need to implement, which things we don't need. We don't need the transplant modules we do it that work, but, but we need other modules that we do, a dental program. Through. And so those are the things we need to make sure we've got all the boxes checked and everything we need. I come up with that, that And total cost is really looking at everything that takes into the system, right? It's a backfill for any providers, a backfill for education that we'll do, additional consultants we'll need, additional staff that we'll need, any legacy systems that we need to have supported by someone else, uh, all of those costs are wrapped up into what this present to you as a total cost for to And we're looking at it over 10 years to so get an idea of not just what we need to spend today, but what kind of commitment are we looking for long
3: term from the organization. And long term additional staffing would be in there mm-hmm. as well. Yep. I,
4: I, and I suppose the, the question that, that prompted me to ask about what the criteria is and how, how you come to that, that decision is because i anticipate that this is probably going to be one of the uh, the most costly financial decisions that this board will make and and we will be indebted for the other boards that follow us and so consequently really understanding how how those how the process and i know you've had a lot of people and you've gone through the but really understanding the bang for the buck relative to the amount of money that that is, in fact, being asked for, and um, I, I would be very much interested. And I'm sure it's on your list of the interface between us and the rest of the California, or certainly the Bay Area, and where that falls, and, and some of those other kinds of, of issues. So, anyway, yeah,
6: that, that specifically was a part of the Lagos report when we talked about interoperability. How do we play with others in the sample? Um, Internally, how well our system is, but external to us and our trading partners, CHCN, UCSS, David, Children's, right? The people, the places where we send our patients to or get patients from in that process.
4: Yeah, and and if I could just for the, the sensitivity that I would like you and those people who are deciding is the box that you put the board in after the fact. So, Knowing where we're going with the board gives you a little more comfort because what ends up happening is that if you have the mass who says this is what we want, and the board says there is no way we're going to be able to afford this, and David says, well, it's going to be a little iffy, um, then we're stuck here. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, um, and when Dave says it's a little iffy, that <clears throat> that signals to me that I need to hold the reins. So, I guess bringing us along as we go would make me as a board member much more comfortable than having a decision made and then you're just asking to fund it.
6: And I think you'll see it in, in days report later on. We're contemplating this and, and forecasting it for you to what does this mean to us? To okay.
1: Dr. Okay.
6: So, English, anything you want to add? I just want to say that um, the selection committee is incredibly engaged. I can't find anyone on the medical staff who doesn't want to do this on some level. The systems we have now cannot give you the data you need to run the business into the future. Uh, Some of them have serious expiration dates stamped on them already. They will stop being supported after a few years. They will never get us where we want to be in terms of quality, efficiency, flow of data, and even revenue capture.
5: So we have to do something.
4: And I think, you know, we've been working... Some of them are new to the thing, but we've been working for this and know that this is a critical piece. Um, Just bring us along as you go. And and My
1: comment would be that I know that with the work that the IT Steering Committee has been doing, that there might be a bias towards one because you've been doing so much. So it's possible that, you know, there's something that from the inside, you know that this one is better. Just all the due diligence that's needed when the RFP comes and all of that happens so there's no buyer's remorse at the end of it that we were so, like, you know, um, looking at rose-tinted <clears throat> glasses towards this, this would be the silver bullet that would, you know, solve all our problems and we didn't ask the right thing. So that that phase from April to whenever it is has to be really uh, you know, intense.
6: That's the key for the engagement by the session. That it's not five people in the room making this decision. Mm-hmm. We're engaging those people that have to do this work and use this system every single day right. uh, in the process of selecting it. Understand um, what's the work effort that needs to go into it to make sure it works how we need it to work, mm-hmm. and that adoption is all of them on adoption because all of them use the system. Not and they're going to blame on the CIO. He picked that system, and we've got to deal with it. Which I've heard previously. Okay. Now this is we all selected this. We all need to work really hard to make sure it works well for us, and it's doing. What's the, what the
0: tremendous amount of the plan. Well, we talked to other organizations that have, I mean, I can't tell you the number of time in banking. They've installed something. Did you talk to Mechanics Bank? You know, they have the same. No, we didn't talk to them. If we had, we might have saved some headaches. So I yeah. think it's imperative that we talk. We can't be the only health system with five Absolutely. unintegrated hospitals that need to be tied together.
6: So, yeah, so in the process, you'll see there's reference site visits, reference calls and site visits. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I didn't know whose site that meant. Well, it'll be, it'll be from the vendors we'll recommend who their primary sites that are most like us. Okay. Uh, from Cerner and the Truman Medical Center, <coughs> they became see same group that us at the public hospital taking that,
0: uh, using the Cerner system to do it. And we might talk to people outside of their recommendations that we yeah. know are using the system. So we, from Epic,
6: we know Contra Costa and Clara, both use Epic in public safety hospital. Mm-hmm. So we've got, and uh, Cerner is in L.A. County. Telling you from is using the Cerner system, system. So we have lots of access to organizations that can provide us that kind of feedback
0: on what's uh what with our That's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Any other questions? Yeah. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's get into the um, financial report. <clears throat> um, this is going to flow right through the monthly financials into the uh, long-term financial plan. Going to discuss a number of issues that uh, Dave mentioned. Um Let me just give you the high level. Uh So we are approximately mid-Day. We had a good December. So we're actually slightly slower.
4: Oh, I'm sorry, David. I can wait until you're finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to ask, if you give an example of the, um some examples of the ex, the variance in expenses? The, the... Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Okay.
2: Let me predict the high-level news. So it's in pretty much worth it all year. I'm going to go to the lower budget. It's higher than the last year. higher than mm-hmm. the higher base mm-hmm. units. I think the same thing, so kind of do it you... this is the um, um, numbers that we just talked about on revenue. So what you're seeing, this is year-to-date <coughs> December. So for net patient service revenue, we've booked dollars That's ahead of budget by 10, so 3.3 better than last year. That's also higher than the year before, of 288. On supplemental reimbursement, we're also about $10 million ahead of budget. Uh, and we're also ahead of last year. So in total, we're about 4% over budget. And our collection ratio has actually improved from last year, 20.2, up to the total thirty point seven to 31.1. So we're, we're pretty happy with revenue at this point. Uh, and then uh, these are the operating expense trends. These are total operating expenses. You can see this is last year, this is this year. And then uh, we left to ease last year. And and then in terms of the expense variances, uh, so you'd really be looking at this column, this column right here. <coughs> so here are the variances. Salaries and wages are actually a little bit below budget uh, and benefits are you know, right in there. And the big variances here in registry, you can see we've spent 15.5 million uh, and that's up from last year, <coughs> So a big increase in registry utilization as we looked at it, it's a combination of many things. Uh, one is the number of hours, um, but the other thing is the cost per hour has actually gone up for a number of different reasons. And so like, Luis is leading a team that has dissected this and is working on all the different aspects of it. Okay, then uh, the other ones that jump out are medical um, <coughs> supplies of 2 million. Um, you know, supply costs go up, I, I think. Some month-to-month variation there. Uh, not too concerned about that. And repairs and maintenance. Uh, we're we'll budget by two million, um, and we're looking at that. I mean, we've got new facilities. We're putting a lot of money into Alameda Hospital to bring it up to speed. So, yeah, but
0: the big, the big issues are up here under uh, the registry. I've seen that you've taken corrective action on the registry expense. Overall, if our um, revenue tends to soften a little bit, do we have a plan for expense control? And in terms of getting some of the other expenses under control, what's what I mean, is it the, is it your goal to have registry expenses to budget by the end of this month, next month? Uh, yeah,
5: what's
2: that's the probably goal? Probably not
0: not realistic and this would be a good place for Luis to jump in.
5: <coughs> Related to the registry. Yeah. Oh, you know.
2: That is probably not fair because no, it's driving little
5: <clears throat> No, so what, one of the things that we're looking at, I mean, there, as it relates to... There's, there's various components to this whole process. Uh, there, there is a, there's a contractual component that we're, we're trying to deal with, that we're working through where, uh, under the current agreement, the registry personnel that comes in to backfill some of our vacant positions, some of our open spots, um, the contract is for eight-hour shifts. And so then the, um, the shifts that we currently occupy in the, in the facility are 12-hour shifts. So under the current agreement, those last four hours are paid at a premium. So we're paying the eight hours of regular and four hours of premium time. So we just you know, realized that as we're going dissecting and going through this process, looking at the agreements, looking at our registry. So one of the things that we said was like, well, you know what, yeah, no then, I, I don't like this agreement. So we need to start looking at other alternatives. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't have any exclusive rights on the current contract, which we don't. So we're actually in the process of looking at, no, we need to look at other providers, other services, that we can look at bringing this registry. So that's one component. Uh, the second component <clears throat> really is related to you know, the, the time where the registry is in place. So when we bring in registry, you know, there is a, a duplication of resources because registry comes in for a certain amount of weeks and then as we start filling some of the roles and some of the positions, we, we kind of have a double effect there because of the fact that some people, you know, the new people are being trained and being uh, proctored and mentored to kind of take on those roles. And then as we start weaning out and getting rid of some of the, some of the registry personnel. So those are some of the, the, the key elements that, that have been contributing to the, to the registry. Um, that we, we've got an aggressive program in place. We've got, uh, nursing has been very involved, very engaged, working closely with human resources. We've created a tracking matrix where we have identified we have every single vacancy, we have every single registry position, all those linked together. And as we're looking at recruiting and backfilling those positions, we're able to start now tracking these and bringing them down. Uh, there's weekly meetings happening with re- uh, with uh, nursing and recruitment, uh, looking at uh, all the different areas where we can try and bring in uh, new staffing to fill those roles and fill those vacancies. I mean, ultimately our goal is to have very little registry. We will always have some registry. We want our goal is to get rid of registry as much as possible, and the focus really is in recruitment. And we found these other these other variables that are impacting the dollars and the cost, not necessarily the headcount, which you still want to go ahead and address. Just so so kind of that.
4: What What's the significant difference from last year to this year that constitutes a higher a higher registry? Is it more patients that that just demand the service? What What? Why I mean did we not catch it or and I'm not quite understanding what happened this year that versus last
5: year Well, there were a couple I will give you a couple of examples for that know that are specific to this fiscal year and that number one is it's Alameda hospital So if you recall we were going through negotiations late last year uh, last calendar year uh, Finalizing that contract that agreement and so one of the challenges we had was that because of the salary disparities that we had between our facilities we had a lot of turnover, a lot of A lot of our nurses left. At one point, about 50% of our staff in the ED in Alameda was all registered. So that was something that, you know, I, I, since we've negotiated the contract, we've been able to start, you know, recruiting and we're bringing in staff and so we're addressing those issues. Another example is uh, we had a dialysis agreement, a dialysis contract, that uh, we were working with uh, uh, DaVita to take on that agreement. Unfortunately, as, you know, there were some some hiccups within the transition of contracts that occurred. And so what we did was we were staffing that service with registry until Davida was able to come on and ramp up and take on that role. And that happened for about four months. So I mean, those were two huge variables that, that had an impact that were not planned and were not something that we encountered last year. So those are some of the examples of things that but we But in had.
0: December, our registry uses was still 840% over budget. So, are we, where are we using registry? If Alameda's been the kind of fix, the other one's kind of fix. Where are we continuing to use the registry over budget? I mean,
7: the the Alameda uh, uh, situation was resolved. I think uh, in terms of the new contract, I think in November, so that that is just cycling through in terms of the staff okay. uh, increases. Uh, the other thing is, uh, if you notice, um, we two things we did last year in anticipation for for uh, addressing. Some of the things we want to do is we increase the, um, the budget for salary and r- wages and interest because we hire more people we reduce the budget for <coughs> the registry so uh, if you even look where if you look at registry for this uh, for year to date uh, we're running both ahead of, um, of the budget and, and ahead of last year but you can see that Budget is significantly lower than last year because we expected it to go down. So, right. so we look at it percentage-wise. That really shoots up because we hold it way down in anticipation that we would be able to drive out a registry faster than we've been able. To do. But, um,
1: I mean, the registry costs have been ever since we did the you know um, the different revenue improvement cost containment. Uh, things have been going on for a year and every month we see that the registry costs are much higher than what we had budgeted or anticipated so it's just kind of um a little uh, yeah a little puzzling to think that the dollar value for it that this contract that it's like a 12-hour shift but eight hours is at you know regular um, and then four hours is at you know whatever times That just wasn't caught earlier, given that these were big sums of money that were, you know, being seen as our operating expenses, right? I completely agree. I I completely agree. So could have missed
5: that. Again, that I I completely agree. So that's something that when we dug up the contract, we started looking because that was the first thing, one of the first questions we asked when we were meeting with the team was like, wait a minute, what's where's our contract? What's going on? And oh well, this is happening. What do you mean that's happening? No, this is not going to work. So we we were looking at that. I mean that's. That's clear, but again as you said as we're transitioning, we're ramping we're you know we're ramping up on recruitment efforts in Alameda and, and all throughout the, the facility. We're ramping down on the registry. The reality and the problem is also that like I said the registry staff is is working for a, a defined period of time. You know, they can be here for six weeks, twelve weeks, thirteen weeks, depending on the you know how you bring them in to support that. So to you're ramping them down. You're looking at at uh, you know there is that, that kind of that transition point. You know, another area where we've had some issues and there has been, you know, Michelle, to your point, was the, you know, there, we've seen an increase in, and we've seen a change in our acuity levels, specifically at, at uh, San Leandro, for example, and even in our, in our uh, skilled nursing facilities. And what we're seeing in skilled nursing facilities is related to the, uh, the CNAs, and that's kind of the issue that we've been working on with the salary disparity. And we're, mm-hmm. so we're, we're, we're having to fill part of our, our, our biggest, you know, uh, of the puzzle in is related to the CNAs um, but in in San Leandro and even here at Highland we've seen an increase in the use of CNAs because of the increase in acuity and a lot of it is driven by the fact that we're having to provide sitters and one-on-one care to some of our patients uh, specifically in San Leandro and here and what also has changed since we moved from the old hospital to the new hospital in the old hospital which was not ideal and I'm so glad we moved into the new hospital but we had large wards where we had multiple patients in one room so we can have one sitter watching and, and overseeing and caring for multiple patients under our new structure which is wonderful but we have single private rooms now that number is exponential mm-hmm. so we're, we're working through that we're looking at other interventions other things that we can put in place you know that can help us monitor the patients so we're not having to depend on these Bodies and, and, and nurses' assistance to, to care for those patients, and, the, and that monitoring that one-on-one and uh, those sitters. So those are all different variables that have contributed to this, you know as compared from last year to this year. So we're really drilling down. We've got a team that's really engaged. We're, we're monitoring this closely. We know that we, this cannot be, you know, continue to sustain, and we're, we're committed to really driving this down and hopefully get us closer back in line uh, by the end of the year.
4: So, <clears throat> thank you. That, that really made a whole. I mean, it helped certainly helped me a whole lot. Um, but in in the premise that I espouse, you can do anything you want. You, know, you can have anything you want. What do I say? You can you're do you anything want. you want, but can't have everything. So, given that, um, given that, w- what are the areas that you anticipate? Because I know you're going to have to get a handle on this registry, it's going to take some time to do that. So I, I'm off the focus of the registry presently and asking the question about where do you think you can pull back some costs so that the bottom line, while we're looking at registry as high, the bottom line is that we're over in our expenses totally. So, um, and what we're hoping is, what we had hoped, is that the rev- we would be increasing our revenues and keeping our expenses... <laughs> And not so what what are the plans for reducing the expenses
5: <coughs> well I mean, I mean again that work continues i mean i setting aside the registration which we, we've discussed i mean the two other big areas that we're looking at there are, are are the you know contracted physician services but focusing on the areas where i have more control i mean it's, it's in looking at managing supply utilization within our units you know the the you know some of our volumes and where we've seen some increases in volume uh, and the acuity of our patients. That's kind of directly related to that, so we've got to manage that and monitor that. And then in the repairs and maintenance budget, which are the two largest categories, that's about $4 million worth of the whole thing there. The rest of it is in the other two categories. Repairs and maintenance, I'm working with my team to look at, hey, what are some of those things that can be capitalized, what are the things that we can leverage for our capital process, and what are those things that we need to continue to support and sustain just because of daily operations. So we're really trying to get our handle on that. Some of that I will tell you that is, is just invoice processing. I mean, you know, we get some work done, We, you know, especially in the repairs and maintenance, we get work done and we get things, and so you will see that those invoices come in, you know, sometime after the fact, and so the fact that they were captured here and what we're reporting, what we're seeing here. So, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, it's I, we, I feel pretty comfortable with both supplies and, and, and repairs and maintenance that we can work on getting those back in line. And that's the reason why our focus is on the other issue, which is really the largest component and what it will have the most significant impact.
4: David, when we set up the budget, and I have forgotten, but did when we set up the capital outlay budget, um, our capital expenses budget, we, we is that kind of uh, what I, shielded and not shifted so that you have to move that around to cover something else?
2: Um, yeah, that's that's correct. It's mm-hmm. separate, completely separate from the operating budget, and what we essentially did was. Mm-hmm. Divided the budget up. I believe like twenty-eight or thirty million dollars. Dave uh, got so much. Um, Luis gets so much, and then they make specific decisions. But it doesn't doesn't hit this except for the change in appreciation.
4: So we're not we we still have the goals of, of maintaining that those capital the, those yes. those yes. capital things. Yes. And then and <clears throat> where do we book or or show the money that we go to pay the debt?
2: On the balance sheet. Not on,
4: not on, not on expenses. expenses. So when you so ta- I mean, help me understand about the balance sheet and the yeah. operating expense, okay. So got, you guys know this. Kind of yeah. <laughs>
2: that's okay. I don't have a slide, but what I'm going to do is—that's uh... that, right. I'll talk
4: with you offline. Okay.
3: Right. Thank you. Can I ask a question on the reconciliation of the paid FTEs? The ratio? How you reconcile that with register? Uh, they're included, registries included. Registry, included? yeah, because there's, you see a 4.9% variance versus a pretty large variance, like uh, yeah. the FTEs. Yeah, so what, what's happened so the conservative is, conservative
7: adults, uh, which is much larger. Like, what's happened um, is,
2: the, you know, the volumes are sort of flat down. Plus, in that calculation, which is adjusted, that's sort of the ratio of patient outpatient revenue, there's a price change, tended to skew that a little bit, so I, I not focused just on the information.
3: And then I had a question on the contracted physician services. What's driving that parent? Uh There were two things. Uh, one is that we
2: had anticipated uh, completing uh, a contract negotiation much earlier, and we had projected there were going to be some savings, and that has actually not occurred yet, but it's in the process we uh, And the other thing is that we added uh, Additional positions at um, John George Hospital to address some
3: issues, of that, But it wasn't much. But that's going to then continue throughout the rest of the fiscal year. The other yeah. contract is probably going to offset a little bit. Uh,
7: potentially,
3: and yes. we're, we're the, the negotiations on that one are
7: moving, but I don't, I don't know if we are going to uh, um, net the same savings. I haven't been following it as closely, but I'm not sure if they're going to net the savings that we. Uh, the the one for uh, contract position services that uh, we referenced for John George uh, uh, wasn't factored into the budget because it was done when right at the point where it was sort of concurrent to the budget was slightly behind the budget so so we we've, we've adjusted for it and it's, it's you know it, it wouldn't be the main thing driving us out I mean there are revenues associated with that work um, but it's you know just reflecting here a variance to to that.
5: And if and if I can make just one more point is because I it's important, you know, the the dollars are, are affected, affected by Another thing that another another variable to your earlier question is the fact that emergency the, room social worker please contact ER The rate for for personnel worker, is ER is kind of driven work. by the market. And one of the things that were that affected us unfortunately and it's we, we you know we've seen it it happens, but it's seasonal. And so when you're looking at trying to bring in registry staff in November and December, yeah. because of the holidays, there—there there literally was a delta in the hourly rate of nearly twenty dollars an hour. Plus, so so again, that's that's something else that has an impact. So you will see that in these months because of the fact that it's difficult to bring people in because no one wants to come work during the holidays. So you you're paying a premium for that. So anyway, many of it, many different variables that we're working when we're looking to address that, bring it down
1: one question with the A, AHP coming into its for uh, will some of those physician contract services be impacted like positively by AHP or not those,
2: those are actually included in here we provide you consolidated statements but to, to the effect that we adjusted salaries one way or the other but it won't be significant <coughs>
1: AHP is well, I
2: think over time it is and of course the big thing we're working on and making sure that we fully utilize those very valuable resources to mm-hmm. get maximum productivity yeah.
7: so, so well it, it will take time I, I, I think uh, so so it's a combination of you know HP we use multiple uh, engagement modalities just as we've had before so some some of the providers uh, may come out of a contractor position services contract constantly be employed but others will still be contracted and so mm-hmm. so that could impact as well. okay. um, I
0: just, I, I'm just concerned that it's February and we're running out of fiscal year and if we don't get some of these things under control we'll, we'll lose our year unless we wanted to just stop activity for a month in June. So anyway I'm just concerned that anyway. That we're, okay um, I'd like to um, for
2: a second expose you to two different reports that you may not have seen. Uh, one is a report that gives us profitability by facility Mm -hmm. and another is the metrics report. Now on the facility report you have to start with we don't have a cost accounting system and our financial general ledger is really not set up to do this. So we have to make a a variety of assumptions on allocating some some pretty big numbers, Uh, particularly contractual allowances and supplemental reimbursements. So the finance team's been working on this and uh, we come up with something that we think is pretty fair, but it's sort of our opinion. Um, we're going to give it to you so you can see it. Um, the, uh, of course, the advantage of this is it gives you more detailed information. You can see, well, how, how are each of these operations doing? And um, we can also do this by strategic business unit, but it's sort of a different look at, at the elephant. I'm not going to give that to you tonight. I thought it was too long. Um, the other thing is the uh, the metrics, court. we really don't spend a lot of time on but This is actually a required disclosure to the county, and it's very important that, that they get it monthly, and it will be correct. And we've, we've had some internal <laughs> issues with gathering the information, and you know, it's, it's all it's largely manual, so everything's got to be cross-checked. But anyway, I wanted to give it to you because it's important, and, and they, they built this in, in discussion with us around our, our core. Um, Uh, For strategic objectives. So, this is the profitability by facility. As you can see across the top, we have uh, Highland, Support Service, Inventory, John George, Professional, which is some of our position activities, Fairmount, San and Alameda. And um, the things that get allocated really affect these two numbers. It's very easy to tell you what the expenses are because that Right out of the bank statement these two represent somewhat of allocation in this case contractual allowances in this case supplemental revenue But so we've made our best effort to go through and look at each of these supplemental <coughs> programs and say okay well how much of gpp should be allocated to hamster how much to position how much to highland and so this is the result that we look at so we think and this is sort of a contribution basis here's highland uh, doing pretty well. You know, 18% EBITDA. Uh, support services, so that's a negative
0: because support services really doesn't generate any revenue. This amount you found a good spot is... for expense control. Hmm? I'm kidding. I said yeah. you found a good spot for expense <laughs> <Yeah>. control. <Okay>.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> we agree. <laughs> uh, this,
2: this revenue up here is measure A, which we don't, we don't allocate. Uh, but you can see there's a deficit. Uh, here's ambulatory. Now, ambulatory's picked up a lot with the GPP program crime because they we can now say, you know, we can tell how much money they're actually getting from GDP because it's right on this report. So we're giving them credit for that. And you can see that they're actually close to break-even. I realize that this, this doesn't include, you know, allocated overhead like in the corporate office and things like that. Um, here's John George. Uh, still doing well. Professional services, which is essentially aluminum. Fairmont, and then San Leandro, and then Allen. So we think these are fair, and we think they're you know, pretty good pretty good results. Of course, we'll continue to track this and refine our methodology. Now, one reason to do this is that this information is actually required to be reported on the metrics. We have to do. So, and this is the metrics report. So here we have indicators for access, sustainability. You can see there are a lot here we negotiated this the county was extremely interested in sustainability uh, quality which is we picked this incident of preventable harm and we the verified these numbers today you can see we're actually below the target uh, and then uh, inpatient satisfaction outpatient which we're actually not tracking except uh, separate ambulatory and then the employee engagement so i think those scores have come up so up on top, we've got uh, up here, they still want to know uh, third next available, which is over here under inventory, 46 days. We weren't able to get a specialty report. These are the ratios we just reviewed on the prior slide. Days and receivables are in good shape. Uh, cash collections were currently below, but that's going to come up in a couple of months here. And then accounts receivable, labor costs were actually below the benchmark targeted, um, FT spray OB is low, which is good, hospital aid low, and then the payer mix, which is So I just want to expose you to that, because you should be aware of it, because this is mm-hmm. something that does get reported to the county, and uh, they're, they're very interested. Might
0: questions. Will this be included in our pack? It oh, will be, okay. yes.
1: This is
4: David, what constitutes the higher uh, FTE um, in Highland versus versus the others?
9: Um,
2: One thing is that Highland has a much higher uh, acute pacemix index, so we have more ICU patients here. Uh They're in a one-to-one ratio. It takes Uh more staff. Okay. Basically that. Okay. All right, uh give you a couple of balance sheet trends. Here is the, uh, this is off the bottom of the balance sheet. So here's showing our net days and AR at 62.3. That's pretty good. Moving, we want to get, trying to get down to where we were last year. Days and AP, are about 50, but again, these are the actual dollars in our system, waiting to be paid $12 million. That's in pretty good shape. At the last meeting, there was a request for an Accounts Receivable Aging, which is what this is. So this shows the receivables, net receivables, by facility: HS, San Leandro,
0: Alameda, HP. And then, how far out they are. We have $29 million over 120 days. How much of that is collectible, and when do we write it off? Well, that's a good question. Um, we, we currently
2: have this heavily heavily discounted already. Three, five, six, mm-hmm. about ten. Right? Ten? Six million plus
0: five million plus two million plus two million
2: plus 1.5 oh, million plus four million. Yeah, I was looking over 180. I'm sorry. Um, well, I think mm-hmm. the, the 120 to 150 to 180, that's right in our sweet spot for where we was. That should be okay. Right. okay. Out here, it gets kind of iffy. Uh, we typically write off everything over one year down to zero. And, uh, but, um, much of that is
3: patient responsibility.
2: Not really. It's most. Believe it or not,
0: it was mostly uh, government funding, oh, uh, and that should be collected. And, and, and of our accounts payable, it looked like really quickly we had 600 some 1,000 that was over 120 days. Yeah. Are those big companies or are those small vendors or how? Those
2: are those are typically big vendors with very specific reasons. Perfect. So, I just want to make
0: sure small businesses. We we do everything we can to take care of it. it's small businesses. Thank you.
2: Okay, and then here's the uh, history on cash collections. I mentioned that um, you know we're working real hard on the revenue cycle, and this is the history. Like back in 2015, uh, we collected uh, 38 million in January. This year we've got 45, 46, and year to year, 467, then 608. You know, you have to. That it's about uh, 580, five something like uh, that. And of course, we're catching up here. There's some catch up numbers here. This is and then this is what it looks like by facility. So you can see the trend this year. This is just for this year for our meter And the
4: administrative costs, buildings, et cetera, is that your? You know, the administrative salaries, etc. Is mm-hmm. that, is that dispersed across a percentage, across all all programs, you know, or how do you do that?
2: We're, we're currently not doing that. We tried that for a while, and it, we weren't really using it, and it got it just was confusing for everybody. Right. So, so you know, let's just leave it in support costs where we're going to look
4: at it. But it's in support yeah. costs? It's in support costs. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm trying to make, take you know, baby steps and make this simple and make it useful information. <laughs> But the question of um, how is Alameda doing, how is San Leandro doing, that's something that we often get asked. All right, now we're going to switch to the um,
0: long-term financial plan. You're not going to talk about the negative net balance forecast? Oh, did I? It's good.
2: It's somehow... Oh, you know what? I I moved it. I am... Okay. But I, I was None. going to use it. I didn't want to have it in here twice. Perfect. Because I thought I'd uh, just use it once and put it where I needed it. But, yeah, so. Okay. So this is just to remind you of the planning. And what we're doing, currently doing is we're asking the board to kind of look at what our plan is, get familiar with it, ask questions, tell us if you think we're on the right direction. Okay. And that will set the stage for the budget process, which you'll see in a couple minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, financial planning is all about cash. Make sure we have cash to do the things we want to do. Okay? So the things we want to do: we pay our bills, pay our employees. Uh, Got to carry the working capital, make our debt service payments, mm-hmm. and then spend money on capital. Okay? And the presentation is basically going to go in that order. Uh, this is the line of credit. Okay. This is this is. Uh, oh, oh pictorial of the terms of that agreement, which basically say that the core line will decline every year down to $50 million. <clears throat> but that during the year, so this is June 30th, it's got to be on this line. During the year it go up to the red line. And in an emergency, you go up to the purple. Okay. Now here's here's that that negative balance. Point. So this is this is kind of important. I'm going to go slow through some of these things, because uh, so this is a very small piece of that line that we just saw, and it shows that for example, here we are in 2017. We're going to be down in a week or two down to about 60 million dollars, and then at June 30th we're going to be right about here at about 80. Million. Now each of these lines is 20. Million. So what? two, So we will have availability of $60 million. We're going to go into the next year. We're going to have lots of availability, nowhere close to the line, and then we're going to have one, two, three, almost $60 million at the end of next year. We, we can take this out okay, into the future, and we, we probably will in the next few months here, but it's important to know what our capital availability is. Okay? We're going to come back to this. Okay, these are our capital expenditure requirements. Okay, you can see here we are in 2017, we think we're gonna spend about $26, $27 million, and then in 18, it's gonna jump up to 67, and then 75, and then it's gonna come back down. And that's a big jump, so we (coughs) has to accommodate generated the cash to pay for that. Right? So let's look at what we have here. So, rough numbers, eight facilities, you know, $7 million a year, routine upgrades. Equipment, $7 million. IT, routine IT, not the EHR. 9, 12, 6, 5, 5, right? then we have the EHR. Okay. For just this period, $96 million. And these dollars are sort of like just pay cash. This is what you have to do. We have to come up with next year. Now, that doesn't really work for us because that's a lot of money. So we're, we put this line in called a negotiation adjustable, which means when we go to the vendor, we say as part of the deal. We want you to take that, that cash, take that and spread it out in the future, okay, so it's more more level. Okay to kind of make it easier for us to, to digest. Uh, then we have... Um,
0: Will the vendor give us 10-year terms?
2: Well, we have to negotiate that, but well, it's, it's been done. It's, it's common, but we have to negotiate. Okay. <coughs> um, then we have San Leandro, which we've we, uh, approved, we're about to start. That's 33. We have this other project, this kitchen, which has not been approved yet, but we'll see we're getting ready for it. That's 17 and a half. There's a potential that we might do a John George expansion of the county. So we just put that number into place over that might not happen. Good. And then we have dollars in strategic reserves. Okay? Now Okay, so this is what if you put all that together, this is what it looks like. I did it two ways. I did it in numbers and I did it in words. Okay? So what this says is,
0: assuming
2: that we can grow our net revenue by five percent a year, right there, and assuming that we can maintain a six percent EBITDA margin, which is what we're doing right now, then this is the amount of cash flow that we would generate, right there. Okay? Now we've got to cover some working capital, because if we're growing, you know, the receivables may increase. <coughs> we've got to do the debt service. We've got to fund that capital we just looked at, uh, and then the plan says we've got to do some other things. We've got to do some fundraising. We've got to we've got to have a special fundraising campaign for EMR six million a year. Um, we have to go to the county and say can we have that capital reserve back? We want to use it for the EMR. And we have to do some regular for the foundation. So these are these are the assumptions that we're making. So basically though. If we do that, we're still going to be short by 21-21, so about 42 million, and that's assuming that we can do this fundraising. Okay? So that is the plan. Now the question is, how do we fill that gap? Now I just told you that we had about 60 million on the line of credit. Okay? Good. That uh, could grow, too. Uh, but do you want to use all that for this? Or? Another alternative is commercial debt. We can bank. Say, you know, we're credit worthy, we've got a good plan, we have this bump in capital we need to get over we'd your house of a like that. Okay? Is that
4: CFs? No, it
2: would be a regular bank debt. It'd be some type of a uh,
0: commercial debt. <coughs> uh, so I Have, have we been, done anything like that before? Taken uh, on yeah. commercial debt? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. That's since so. Now, the other thing about access to commercial debt, we've got to keep
2: in mind, is that it also requires the approval of the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. So we would have
0: to socialize that idea and start moving. But it seems like in terms of protecting our cash, this should be high on our list. considerations. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's always nice to have some good
4: well, I was going to say, and, and this is built on the assumption that uh, the a that health healthcare law stays, yeah, stays that's, that's the same. Yeah, that's an uncertainty. So We'd have to right have an answer. Right now yeah.
2: We'd have to have an answer for that by the time we got to signing a document. Exactly.
1: And also, the $42 million of, you know, commercial financing or whatever is also presuming that all of the other things, the 6% of the and all of those other things also happen. So that's a pretty <laughs> ambitious, um, is it going to, it is? are yeah, uh, sounding like CFOs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're trying to, you know, this, this is, but this is the plan. This is the kind of questions that organizations deal with.
4: When you say a plan, you mean your plan or an no, this, this, administrative been, plan? this or?
2: has been run through the team. So yeah, it becomes our plan. plan. Our yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah,
7: it's 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 a plan we have that we're sharing with you, so that then if you're comfortable with the thinking, it's it's our plan.
0: <laughs> I think at the moment it's their plan, and they're hoping
1: it'll be our plan. Yes, uh, yes, uh, subject yes. uh, to uh, your <laughs> yeah,
7: <laughs> concurrence.
1: Tangentially, can I ask, like, uh, did that freed ambulatory assessment that they were supposed to do, which we hope will get our know, ambulatory goals? closer with our budget budgeted goals. Is that is that happening? The,
7: the we're assessment very, is we're very done. close.
2: The assessment's done. We're we're looking at the implementation plan. It's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. It's going to have to be planned out very carefully.
1: Because I was surprised to see that it's the operating losses. There are not much, but considering what we've budgeted, that could be a big bump for us if we actually started. You know. <laughs> getting our ambulatory numbers up to close the door. Uh,
4: All the things you showed are certainly significantly important to the organization. Did you as administrative team uh, put them in order of priority? I mean, you know, if, and and not desire, but, but.
7: You mean of the the, uh, different things that are included in the capital need? The CapEx, right. I, I wouldn't say necessarily we, we uh, uh, went sort of very uh, objectively in kind of, of priority, but uh, there are ones that, uh, because of articulated commitments for which the board has uh, uh, articulated support as well, they're there. So I would say you know EHR is a high priority for us. Um, the rehab relocation high priority for us. The Alameda kitchen. Uh, these are for different reasons. Are, are high priorities for us. Largely uh, the latter two driven by regulatory uh, concerns and the other one driven by all the things we talked about uh, What we talking before, in including sunsetting of existing uh, 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 modality as well as you know, a lot of different strategic needs. Um, John George, high priority for us. We're still uh, working with the county, and actually we referenced this earlier having had a good discussion around you know, we've been fortunate that the PES volume has been stable for a while, and so maybe that's not as much of an issue, but we have to see if that uh, sustains. Uh, the inpatient uh, facility is still full continuously, and so there's an opportunity there to, if we think that there is a, uh, a, a sustained need, that that might be something that we continue to do. But that is also, in our minds, something that if, we, if it comes to pass and everything is stabilized, that that's an opportunity to say, well, maybe this isn't the right project to you. Or if we went up against some uh, existential crisis or uh, unanticipated financial uh, situation that uh, maybe one or two others that I'm thinking about on there are ones where we say, you know, we have to back off of this because uh, we you know, even, well, you know, it's not driven by a regulatory thing, it's driven by a strategic imperative uh, 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 that is important to uh, not. Uh, when we look at
4: so, I wasn't quite certain. I, I mean, I understand the regulatory requirements that you, I mean, we have to do those things. So, if in fact fundraising didn't go well or you go to the bank and they say no, no deal, how how does the organization how does the administration set through what is going to be the the top priorities in the organization? Uh, I'm not
7: sure, I'm fully understanding the question. I mean, I mean, I think
4: that you know all the things you said. Right. We're we're in the middle of doing, and so.
7: Well, not, we're in the middle of doing in the sense that we're making preparations for. Them. Yes. Until shovels in the ground or. Some other sort of manifestation of actual project, you know, a, a, a contract is inked. Uh, we're not in the process of doing. It. And even if we were, and let's say at least contract inked, but we haven't executed. You know, if we get to the point where that's no longer a viability, you know, we have to we have to reconsider that. Um, the plan that David has put forward to you all that we we discussed, um, it has a couple of different options since it's a Do we use our, our, I'm going to call it room, if you will, uh, with the county that we have? Or do we leverage that room as uh, collateral that we have in order to actually use other people's money to be able to finance, whether that is funding or otherwise? So there's a couple of different options we can consider uh, of how to get the money to do this or whether we do uh, some of it. So so I think we, we, at least in my mind, we have Full of op- options to be able to kind of uh, flex as as necessary, and we're going to continue to explore those. Continue to support uh, we think a somewhat conservative plan for philanthropy, uh, uh, but you know still still significant on the foundations part. But that's one other area we continue to, to sort of cultivate to try to figure out more ways to uh, again find other resources. Have
0: they been broached for a commitment?
7: Uh, for this, not yet. Not yet. Uh, you know, as you know, we've we been working with them and others to uh, look at the EHR. So, so you know, what we put here is kind of a really rough order of magnitude of what we think we can get. We hope to be able to get more than that, uh, but we think it's somewhat conservative. That at this point, we'll see
4: about that. David, did, did we have? And I'm not good in finance, so I apologize for asking this question, but. Didn't we have a conversation a couple of years ago about the desire to get out from under the county as opposed to um, leveraging that?
2: Well, that, that's an interesting discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, certainly we should participate with the county in that discussion.
7: But, um, currently,
4: I mean, I they're here, and I you know, but but so at one point, I, this I, group I Had had those kinds of conversations? So
7: so uh, maybe before I was here. <laughs> Um, what we have, uh, the philosophy we have uh, uh, brokered with the county is that we are long range partners and the commitment that we have to uh, provide care to the underserved is an extension of their requirement of the county's requirement by state law and we want to continue to be partners in that endeavor and so as he showed on sort of the, uh, the trend line for the for the uh, permanent agreement uh, we have we have etched in stone in the current agreement that that The goal of that agreement is not to get that debt down to zero. It's to get the debt down to a sustainable level, uh, and, and sustainable as we've agreed, which is in, in the order of about $50 million, and that we try to keep it there at a, you know, in perpetuity, unless there's some other factors. But, but the goal at this point is to keep it into uh, under $50 million or at $50 million uh, on out, which means that we are still in the treasury. Um, there is, that, now that stated, um, You know, we we, are always sensitive to the reality that the county is a county and and AHS is not the only thing that the county has responsibilities for. So so if we happen to end up on the more uh, favorable side of the world where, you know, a lot of other uh, things fall in place that allow us to bring that debt down and even go beyond, you know, the 50 million uh, uh, mark, then I think that's something we can always entertain. Uh, uh, and explore what, what that means both for us and for them going beyond that. Uh, but for now, I, I would say uh, we, we'd be uh, better positioned as a long-term partner with the county and that long-term partnership is not just philosophical, it also is, is financial and we stick with the commitment to, to continue to maintain that, that debt and, and get it down. Uh, the, the notion of using the room now is only predicated on uh, we have really big commitments and priorities. And uh, as you know, too, as I said, one other element of the arrangement as we go forward is we set aside a couple million dollars, and that was one of the buckets that we talked about that was for strategic priorities that we were saying. We would go to them and say the EHR is is one of those things. It's probably that one thing that for the next 10 years or so we will need to happen to those resources to be able to and so, so I think that partnership is really uh, Critical and I would want to move away from the notion sort of thinking that we're trying to get out or either well, socializing I, that at all no
4: I, and I and I hope my question it had nothing whatsoever to do with the partnership or or our relationship with the <coughs> county it was right. really talking about partners that carry debt and right. so I was interested in making certain that we were a viable partner with the county and didn't have the debt so I don't want there to be an interpretation that I Think we ought to be standing by ourselves or any of those other kinds of things. Right. This, I think, our organization works well, and cannot really be away from the county, given all the other services that the the social services that are directly connected to us in the hospital. So I want to make certain that was really clear that that I made no no assumptions <laughs> that okay. Uh, it was, it was really trying to understand the relationship of the debt and being a good partner not carrying a debt so that the county in fact could use those funds for other things
7: so right now uh, um, that, when, when that number is below where the mark is you know as long as we're in the consolidated treasury county the agreement allows them to sweep all of our, our, our revenues so so those you know that, that delta we have it doesn't sit in the call we. Own. It's all a civic County, but it is, in fact, true to say that 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 space, though, uh, creates a liability for them. That as we need to fluctuate up and down, they are essentially committing to being able to to allow us to do that in order to meet our uh, our own needs, and, and that gives us the the, uh, the space, if you will, know, to, to be able to. Fluctuate. We need to get the how our finances.
0: We have to move on. I just say as a general comment, as a banker, using a line of credit for long-term working capital. It's not something we would ever approve as a bank. So, um, if we can avoid it, I think it would be good to give us some options. Any other questions? No, please. Uh, the next item is uh, <coughs> Mr. Moy.
9: Yeah, yeah, so there is a, um, a memo in the packet accompanied by some documents, and I thought it might be useful just to give a little bit... Uh, more of a context to uh, what we're talking about here. And so essentially under the bylaws, uh, the CEO has delegated certain authority by this board to uh, enter into commitments on behalf of the organization. And that, uh, in this organization, as is typical, is uh, reduced to what's called a signature authority policy. And actually, when I had started with the organization back in early 2015, we were, uh, where the board was considering an, an iteration of the signature authority policy, and one of the uh, separate and apart from just the hard numbers, one of the key principles that came out of that discussion was uh, the point at which the board authority, or excuse me, the threshold, you know, at which the board um, would step into the picture uh, to give approval to contracts, and you know, was a big part of the discussion. And so uh, it was the recognition that uh, you know we oftentimes have multiple agreements with individual vendors and so if we were talking about a certain level above which the board needed to approve uh, an agreement you know that that needed to be looked at in the context of not only for a particular agreement but you know the entire history if you will of a particular vendor and you know i think that this is an important concept you know because essentially the board's oversight in this area is focused on a couple of different things one ensuring that uh, there is actual value to uh, the encumbrance or obligation which is about to be undertaken meaning you know are we spending the money wisely and in the, you know, in the public interest uh, the second piece of it you know really goes you know to the board's um, fiduciary obligation you know to sort of understand what these relationships mean uh, potentially in terms of conflict of interest and then again going back to that first question about value you know are we Choosing you know the right vendor based upon their ability to actually perform the service or provide uh, the uh, products or services that we're looking for, or is there some other basis you know making that decision which really is inconsistent with those fiduciary obligations? And so it's really a question of trying to find a way uh, to balance these because the issue that you know has come up uh, and eventually was going to come up and will continue to exist is that there are relationships where uh, a single um, anticipated agreement may not exceed the threshold where the board needs to act but when you look at the entire history and that entire history might be the actual entire history or it might be a history within a particular period of time or for a particular type of agreement it has now exceeded the authority and so the question is at what point does the board feel that it does not need to be as actively engaged in those approvals uh, and if they're not going to be actively engaged, what alternatives you know, might be considered uh, to deal with them? And so that's what we're looking at in terms of modification here. And as you can see on the uh, chart, which I sort of attach, uh, which I've labeled attachment B uh, in the packet, you know, I just pulled out you know, for uh, the last 12, 13 months or so, all of the agreements which actually came to the board for approval which do not actually exceed the threshold which is set forth in the signature authority policy. And in many respects, you know, are commitments which fall well within uh, the signature authority, you know, of individual staff members, you know, even below the level of the CEO. And so the question is, you know, does the board, uh, is there a need for the board to continue to have to approve these types of agreements, you know, given that as things expand over the course of time, um, this list is going to grow. Uh, we engage at this point, you know, in approximately have about a thousand active contracts at any given time. Those a thousand contracts represent relationships with, you know, about 850, 860 uh, different vendors, and more than a third of those vendors are vendors for whom we have or with whom we have obligations that have exceeded a million dollars over the course of time. And so, you know, theoretically, we would get to a point, you know, where Virtually every agreement uh, of the organization would have to come to the board for approval, you know, as these relationships continue. And it's you know it's clear that you know certain of these relationships are by their very nature going to be long-term relationships. And so, you know, for example, those relationships, you know, that, for example, like you know the East Bay Foundation, you know, uh, in our arrangement for surgical residency, or with the University of Pacific, you know, with regard to the dental uh, residents, you know, that work with us, we have certain agreements which by their very nature would be long-term agreements the EHR that we're considering you know here in this particular instance that's automatically going to be a 10-year agreement which is going to you know far exceed uh, the million dollar threshold and you know it's you know very well anticipated that there would be other commitments that we might have with that same company over the course of time and all of those agreements would have to continue on so that's the balance that we were looking to try and strike here so the proposal, was to modify the current policy slightly you know, to provide and so what would remain the same is that the spending authority, authority uh, limits for the individual staff would not change. Uh, the board threshold authority amount would not change either. Uh, and the change that we were proposing is that for those agreements that were uh, being anticipated with a vendor for whom we had already spent a million dollars, that if the agreement by itself was within the staff authority then that could be approved by the staff without having to come to the board so long as the total number of agreements for that vendor in the year did not exceed the million dollars Um, and what we would do is at the end of each year or once per year we would provide the board with a report for any of those agreements that had been approved by the staff that did not end up coming to the board. So you would have the opportunity to understand those instances, you know, where there was follow-on agreement within the vendor, even though you know it did not reach the threshold. So you could, you know, still have the opportunity to determine whether or not you had any questions about the nature of the ongoing relationship with the vendor and whether or not this additional agreement you know, required you know, some business. But it would cut down the number of contracts, smaller contracts that ended up having to come to the board, you know, for your approval. And so that 's the change which is uh, you know now reflected in the new version of the signature authority policy. so let me just stop there and see if there's any questions that anyone has about um, what we had, what we observed is the need, and and how we uh, chose to address that need.
4: What prompted this now?
9: Oh, well, uh, a couple of things you know this issue actually came up when we were uh, in our um, orientation session with trustees yeah, Charles and Thompson you know they had raised that um, you know the issue came up and was raised and we've just been seeing more and more of this coming through, uh, in the course of the number of contracts you know, which were coming from the board and so we went through did an analysis of you know exactly how many vendors do we have how often does this you know come up and, and to be honest the uh, the, the actual numbers uh, in terms of the number of vendors, you know, for whom we're having to bring every one of their contracts. The board it was much higher than even I had anticipated uh, at the time. So we felt it was appropriate. And typically, um, a policy like this, you know, is reviewed or should be reviewed periodically. Um, at the time we reviewed this contract, I believe our spending was probably in the $600,000 range, you know, which increased by, uh, you know, a good uh, 20, 25 percent since that time. So. Again, this is the time. I to thought look this at was it. brought
0: up at a finance committee meeting or a trustees meeting, where we actually directed you as a board to uh, and, look into yeah. this. It might
4: have been a meeting that you were I here. was probably not here. It was last no, one. Yeah, yeah,
0: this wasn't something that might have yeah. been off and did on its own. It was, uh, it's just the you know, raw, I think someone commented the raw amount of staff time to put this together for a twenty-nine thousand dollar contract seemed onerous, and I think that's developed and precipitated this uh, revision. And I say that the contract and staff is a they, they can't simply cannot keep
2: up, which puts them in this impossible position of telling the organization to grind to a halt with they are of contract or have to let some other work until they get down.
4: Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm speaking um, with the sting of the grand jury and how they hit us for not being more vigilant in our work. Um, and so I'm a little I'm a little reluctant to just automatically say, you know, let's let's go ahead and do this. However, I'm really sympathetic to the understanding about this. So, it seems to me that there might be another possibility to get this thing through to show just as you have listed here the kinds of things as opposed to the end of the year and I'm speaking because school districts do do prob- not as many probably, but lots of contracts. and um, And so I'm used to having them go to the board, but they're really ratifications, and they just showed what activity was occurring during the course of the year as opposed to the signature authority. So I, I think you come to a to a solution that might work here but there are other things that you could do to make certain that the board sees that there are there are organizations and agencies here that we're working with that I don't know so,
7: so what about, yeah so, so so what about I think uh, it seems like uh, what, what might be uh, a modification to this is rather than doing it once mm-hmm. a year we Try quarterly or we try monthly. Uh, uh, but it's a but it's it, instead of it being all of the sort of uh, huge contract summary, you know, uh, all that detail for every single contract, it is a, uh, a table uh, vendor contract amount, whatever it is, and, right. then, and we can see how that's that's working in terms of having more frequent uh, awareness of contracts that are ongoing relationships that are beyond a million dollars in terms of life of the country. Just like me talk about that. Rather than doing that once a year and putting them all together, we might
4: do that. That would certainly, I'm speaking just for my, there's, a, there's votes here, I'm, so I'm just speaking for myself in relationship to the quarterly would make me feel significantly better than yearly. Okay. Um, the, the other thing is how how is it that we will know because I made a commitment to the doctors that there will in fact be conversations with them relative to contracts that affect their affect their work So and they could be just you know 50,000 or 150,000 but how would I know that the extension of this contract was in fact given to a discussion for the, with the medical staff, the appropriate medical staff
9: well that procedure won't change and so those contracts don't come to the board now but they do go, you know, the approval authority for those does require, does include the required review by the relevant medical executive committee. So we've put in, in place a process uh, with the medical staff to address that issue of those contracts for which their input is required. And Dr. Kamaladeen has a process, you know, which incorporates their uh, involvement and engagement in the course of developing, you know, those. So, so that's
7: we,
4: not going to be effective. I'm sorry, so, I didn't
9: understand. Let me, let me yeah. try that. So what you saying is, so, so right now,
7: there is a body of contracts that we approve that are within our signature authority. Right. You don't see those. We You see the ones that are beyond our authority, Right. Uh, and, and you have the opportunity at that point, before you approve it, to say, or to see, that we have engaged with the relevant clinical leadership, as we sort of agreed to. We're saying that we do that now both with the ones that you see and the ones that you don't see. And so to the extent that now we're adding to the ones that you don't see, the process by which we still do that for the ones that you currently don't see will be the exact same. So so, so that's not changing. You, it may be fewer ones that you see and have a chance to answer that or ask that question. But to
4: monitor that it's being done is the issue.
7: Right, but recognize that there are some right now that you don't, you don't get to see or you don't see because of the signature authority that we're also doing that with mm-hmm. as well so so what we could do again uh, to this point is with uh, this table that we put together when there are ones that fall within that realm we can add a column that says you know the same thing we do with the form where you look to say was this clinical and was a relevant person or medical clinical leadership involved we could add that to the table as well so you're 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 it wouldn't me be the point that uh, with those you would be seeing it after the fact uh, but you'd be singing it with those, whereas there's still a universe of ones that you don't see that we're we're having to do that anyway, right? and we're doing that anyway. So, so it wouldn't be that you're, you're pulling them out and you can't But right? we could For these where if it's increasing that, we could at least put forward on the table that you can see the next Or represent itself. Was that what you were
0: saying? So are we happy with the... Uh... No, please yeah. do forgive me.
4: So, uh... You know,
1: I have to understand this in the context of, I know that we are taking the free um, scope of work out of the meeting today, but this uh, this authority was kind of related to my question, was related to the um, free um, thing. So if I'm giving alternate facts, please, you know, correct me, please. <laughs> this is my understanding of what. So we had a master service agreement, this is what I believe, with freed for about like four point two million or something like that in January of twenty sixteen, in the finance committee meeting we was we were told that okay we are going to do you know there's going to be some um, um, increase in what was it contract amendment to do the rain free billing etc cetera, etc cetera. and so now it's going to be um, it's going to be about hundred and ninety five k or something like that then in in September of 2016, we heard that they were going to do the ambulatory access thing, so that was going to add to the master services. So that was again going to be about 200,000 or something. So from Jan uh, 2016 to September 2016, my understanding was that Freed would be like, it would go from 4.2 to 5.2. And now, But nothing kind of came up in the finance committee in September, October, November. And now I'm hearing that, you know, retroactively some stuff has happened and now the the total is 6.9 million. So all of it has been under the, you know, threshold that you have. It's 200,000 years, 300,000 there, it's 195, but it's gone from like 5.2 to 6.9. So that's pretty significant in the course of three or four months, right? So that that's where I feel like at the end of the year, if we get it, it's harder for us to wrap our heads around, mm-hmm. like, how did that quite happen? Did we not anticipate it? Was it that we couldn't hire things? That's why our contracted services went up. So even if it's, I un- totally understand the, uh, the you know, hardship on the contract folks, but even if it's in a narrative form or something like that, so it's not such a sticker shock, like, oh my goodness, like. How did that happen? Well, I
0: think if we did, did the Excel time. spreadsheet instead of all the backup, it would, yeah. it would save, that would be a day in time, easy for me to say since I'm not doing any of the work. Absolutely. Um,
1: did I get that right or was this oh, all no, no, uh, no, no. alternate? internet? I hope you got it right. You
7: or? got
2: it oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that we're working on a retrospective review which will give you the history of exactly what happened? Okay. Okay. Yeah, we, we did start with a fairly focused revenue cycle improvement
0: project, and it mm-hmm. has kind of branched out into a number of different uh-huh. areas in the organization. But, So, are we in general agreement with the uh, policy as um, our general counsel has presented, with uh, some amendments to, under approval of Board of Trustees number four, obligation of the same vendor at different fiscal years? Is that where we want to see um, some more Instead of annually, do we want to do quarterly, if monthly for a year, and maybe instead of in full uh, uh, unabridged format, maybe abridged format, you know, just an Excel spreadsheet listing contract, power over, and if we need more detail, we can ask for it? Let me
3: just say Please. that I, I would feel more comfortable at least at this point in time <coughs> seeing it monthly. Um, and if that works out orderly, but I also think that it can be done in a format that would save the, Loodle you know, yeah your yeah. You know, your staff a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. if we need to ask questions we'll just pull it out and ask the questions from yeah. what we see on the spreadsheet.
2: simple list free dollars and what they're doing is easy. Doing the whole write-up before do
4: it's a big deal. And I was done, I mean, you've been doing this thing and you yeah. they look really great, but I mean, I, I, I have to say about the sensitivity right to the grand jury report and slapping us and we weren't monitoring enough and blah, blah, blah. And, and David, since you've been here, there's been dramatic change. I, I see that, dramatic change. But I I think there has to be still this monitoring process that a board has to do, and so... You could find a way that's going to be easier for you guys, but still give us the coverage that we are, in fact, watching the expenditures. You know. Yeah.
7: I think I, mean, I I I completely uh, appreciate the uh, the amendment to do it monthly. I, I think you know we want to make sure that you feel very comfortable with this, and you're monitoring it in a way that you feel is 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 thorough enough that you feel comfortable with what's going on. And I believe that doing it in this you know, in a, in a report-based format uh, on a monthly basis will in fact reduce the amount of uh, effort that goes into getting these to a review and I think uh, sort of balance it to an uh, appropriate level of uh, oversight and, and the work involved, or, or involved. And, and you know if, if a year from now we look at it and say okay well that was good and I feel comfortable with that and we can back it up and that's good too but if not and we're at a steady state you know, what what'll be the better indication for me there are still times where uh, because of the sheer volume and IRA and team are doing a good job at like the thoroughness of everything they're doing here. But sometimes things are late because it's the sheer volume and yes. it takes so long to yes. do uh, that, that the sort of risk that we have on the other hand is the same amount of work that's involved in doing it twenty nine thousand dollar contract applies for a two point nine million dollar right. contract, and the one is way more riskier than the right. other so, right. so so in terms of prioritizing, we just want to make sure that we're we're balancing that. Could we
4: could we do what you propose on a um, rather than change the policy at this point in time, do what you propose for three, four months to see how it fits rather than change and so mm-hmm. so it's ex- what we could do is put a hiatus on on the authority at this point for three months, okay. run it through so you can get the stuff that's done, right. we can see how that works, as opposed to changing the policy, finding it doesn't work, and then have to go back and, and do it again. Is that but I, and that's just for me. So David I
2: well can I just say just whatever we do we need some clarity we'll have yeah. to direct
7: staff. Yeah. I I'd, I'd <clears throat> agree with them. I I I honestly I don't think it's hard I mean, because we've, we've sort of done the hard work of, of, of figuring out how the policy can be changed. So if you're, at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable to advance this to the rest of the board to, to then support it and get it done. And if you're uncomfortable, then we can, you know, what you'd have to say to the, the rest of the board is we're giving a, a moratorium on the, the former policy so that we can actually do this uh, and, and have clarity. So we would provide the clarity to the group on that, if I would say. We're going to implement this draft policy. Um, it's a little confusing, I think, to folks. So, I mean, I, I would say the preference would be let's just go with the change. I was going to say I think
0: it's, it's easier to adopt the policy and it's, and it's be easier to really um, nimble. If a quarter we don't like it, change right. it back. It is you know? not. And have it's a not hard. That's
7: to fine. Use I'm, to I'm
4: fine with it. whatever you want to do. Yeah, because yeah. I totally okay. agree. But with I think we've expressed yeah. things
0: are looking good, so we're not so worried. But that can change in six months, and we. Yeah, so what, is, so.
7: so what we could do is, is do a commitment to change the policy and then commit to a three-month or a four-month retrospective, and then that bakes in the, the, the hard that we're going to come back and ask you, mm-hmm. how's this working for you, you know, as a committee? So we can calendar four months from now. We will look back at this and see how it's working. Yeah, I would say... I'm fine. I'm fine with
3: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, sure.
4: Yeah.
3: Okay. I, I would almost say that three months is not long enough. That's, I I that's why like I sort of pushed four or five. towards... Yeah, Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: Thank you. that's fine okay. okay and I had a query um, before the meeting of uh, mr. Moy about subject D under signature authority do you have any time to think about that are you comfortable with that language or do we t- need to tighten it up or? no
9: so in light uh, your question so what we're talking about is on the second page under the the section titled "Signature Authority" and uh, it's Section 1D. In The current language is: the CEO of the AHS Foundation may sign agreements on behalf of the foundation that create an encumbrance to AHS. And essentially, what this provision you know refers to is the uh, the typical fact that you know oftentimes you know grants that are being pursued by the foundation you know will have you know some requirements of the organization that's you know essentially the beneficiary of that funding. So uh, I you know, understand you know how this might be confusing. And so my proposal is that uh, in the uh, first sentence there, after sign, that the word grant be inserted. And then at the end of the sentence, uh, the words with respect to the grant be inserted. So the new sentence would read, the CEO of the AHS Foundation may sign grant agreements on behalf of the foundation that create an encumbrance to AHS with respect to the grant. And so that makes clear that, you know, we're not talking about the uh, foundation having, you know, generalized authority, but it's specific to this particular type of agreement in this peculiar condition.
0: Okay, I totally agree with that. Trustee Lawrence, are you comfortable with that amendment to it? Any other discussion? have a motion to move this uh, policy as amended.
9: And just to be clear, so I've changed the uh, annually in the uh, paragraph for the next section to monthly. Was that sufficient to address?
0: Yes, and in an abridged format. I don't know if that needs to be in the policy, but at least for you to direct staff, we don't need the entire package. We just want an Excel spreadsheet.
7: I think that's what the the actual language is. That, that it is the, the, the sort of consolidated report, and we'll work on the um, the contents of that report, and we can modify that every time so, yeah, like to so over time see
9: So I had actually included um, so Appendix B, which is a new addition to the policy, is a sample of the what the report would look like. <laughs> the, I uh, this? that are relevant uh, yeah.
7: clinical service and what relevant clinical uh, uh, subject matter experts involved. The same, whatever that... Uh, Do we need the historical
0: spend uh, aligned for yeah. historical spend on that, too? Mm-hmm. I think we're missing a column. Mm-hmm.
9: Well, that's the total, uh, total spend. Is so the total right? spend total. is
0: historical. Yes. And hopefully it won't have a ne- negative number.
1: Uh,
4: that, was that was yes, supposed to be a
0: Which one are you looking at? It's be. Mm. Oh. oh. No, uh, it's, it's uh, confusing because uh, there are multiple expenses. Uh, there we go. Right there. there. This one? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, so the total cost spend would be the historical number. Mm-hmm. I still feel like it's missing something. Gary, what are we missing?
5: <clears throat>
0: yeah. but, I mean, there's historical spend, there's annual spend, and then there're the contracts that's kicked it up to the million, the over the million dollars. Isn't that what we approve every month when we're going through all these things?
7: No, these these would only be contracts that are already over a
9: million. Dollars. These these contracts are already so over, a over a million
0: dollars. It's over a million, but the, the
9: new. So, but it
0: might be, you could have signed a $900,000 contract, and a $200,000 contract comes along, and poof, it's over a million
7: dollars. So when we first cross a million dollars, it has to come to you. Okay. Yeah, so that wouldn't be on this list if, okay. um, if, until that happened, and then the next one would make it on this list, if, if the next one was after.
3: So there should be the original contract amount, too, so that we can track that, right, with well, the what, current spend and the additions?
7: So that's what he's saying is the total
9: spend column. So, so for ABC, uh, so XYZ Corporation, you know what this shows is that this line shows that we spent a total of $2,085,000 with this vendor. This line also shows you that during this fiscal year you've spent $85,000 with this vendor. And so the little okay. negative That's sign, it's actually a dash, so that if there are multiple contracts, each contract would be listed separately. So if there were two more contracts with XYZ Corporation this year, each of those would be listed here. The total uh, spend okay. would go up and you would see each of the individual contracts and the amount that they were for. Mm-hmm. So. That way you would see, you know, a, how many agreements there have been, what the scope of those agreements would have been, and there would be a comment there that would just sort of generally describe what the new agreement was all about. Okay. Brief so, comments, right? Yeah, brief. yeah it would just sort of be a
0: Yeah. You yeah. can use a small pitch. Um, any other questions? Take a motion. So
3: move.
1: Second.
0: Any further discussion? If not, uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Thank you, Mr. So
9: I will make those changes in the uh, version that will be presented for the full board meeting. Will incorporate them and.
4: Internal process.
9: I will run that by you, so that you can just confirm that we got that correct.
0: Great. And um, last two things are planning calendars. Um, Anyone looked and have any? Comments on
4: them. And which one? What <laughs> 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 planning
8: calendar are we talking I, I
0: mean, about. I, I, I stared at the last ones. I didn't look at
7: it. So so, hopefully. so we could add to this planning calendar in February that in May or June cool. we can review uh, the, the um, yeah. signature approval uh, policy change. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, so so we can add that to that as well. do that. Do we have any public comment, uh, clerk? No, we don't. Any further trustee comments? Motion to adjourn the meeting, please. Please Move to adjourn. All in favor?
4: Aye. Any opposed? Thank you very much. Thank you. you. Okay, I see.